0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
1: You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today.
2: You can do this when you Angie that.
0: Hey, everybody. We got a great one today. You know, for a change. Molly Junkfast and Mark Leibovitch. Join me for our third and last in our Year in Review series. This time we look at the Year in Politics, and a lot of ground to cover there. More stuff happened since Molly and Mark and I recorded this. Uh, House Republicans voted unanimously to start an impeachment inquiry on President Biden, and of course, the inquiry is intended to inquire whether or not there's any reason to impeach President Biden. I guess there's no harm in inquiring, but normally, of course, the impeachment inquiry isn't adopted unless there's some evidence of, of you know, something. Now, this, of course, was Republicans fulfilling the request of a former president, Donald Trump, uh, who's got a bone to pick because he was impeached twice. And the first one was virtually along uh, party lines with two Democrats opposing. Uh, that, of course, was about, Trump trying to shake down Volodymyr Zelensky to get the Ukrainian president to say that they were investigating uh, Joe Biden for corruption. Uh, In the Senate, there was one Republican vote to convict on that one. That was Mitt Romney. On the second one, which was about a little thing called the January 6th insurrection, 10 Republicans, only (laughs) 10, voted to impeach, and two of them are still in Congress. And seven Republicans uh, in the Senate voted to convict, uh, including, of course, Romney again. Every Republican in the House, including the two guys, I guess, who who voted to impeach Trump, voted for the impeachment inquiry on on, on Biden. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden uh, spoke out in his own defense at the Capitol on Wednesday in what I thought was a a gutsy move, uh, challenging Republicans to question him publicly, which they won't do. They want to be able to distort what he says. Uh, House Oversight Chair James Comer and House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan in a joint statement said, we will not provide special treatment because his last name is Biden. And of course, he is getting special treatment because his name is Biden. And they started contempt of Congress proceedings against him. Jordan, as you'll recall, also failed to respond to a subpoena to testify before a House committee, the January 6th committee, because uh, Jordan had spoken uh, to Trump uh, several times on that day. All of this, all this uh, stuff is at the behest of, uh, that the MAGA House does is at the behest of Donald Trump. And uh, we have almost 11 months of this ahead of us, and you will hear Mark Leibovich and Molly Jungfast talk about the 11 and a half months behind us. So there's a great one today, you know, for a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as 3 weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real life conversation in German. For example, Let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that means that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety five dollars 95 at byte.com.
0: Hey, thanks for doing our third in a series of the year in review uh, this week, the year in review in, in politics. I couldn't think of two better people to do it. Well,
1: <laughs> except for all those other better people who said now.
0: Ron Brownstein and, and Norm <laughs> Ornstein, except with all this Israel stuff. I thought,
1: Ron is definitely smarter than we are. Ron is very smart. And he's a really a good writer. Yeah. Norm is good, too. But I think Ron is probably better no, writer is very than we smart. are. Yeah, Norm is. Norm has better bona fides than we do.
3: I, well, yeah, but we're the non Steens like those are. That's for the, the
1: right. <laughs> that's right. We're both Jewish, but we don't have the same last name.
0: So let me int- give you proper introductions. Okay. Uh, Molly Jung Fast writes a column for Vanity Fair and has her own podcast, Fast Politics with Molly Jung Fast. Mark Leibovich writes for the Atlantic Monthly, and his piece is the final word in their double issue, which is a warning to America on what a second Trump term uh, would be. And it's uh, it's pretty stunning. Mark, I, I will get to your piece Uh, I think maybe at the end. I might end with it. Okay. But uh, since uh, we're loosely trying to do this chronologically, let's start with uh, People's House, uh, the House of uh, Representatives. And starting on January 3rd, uh, the vote for Speaker of the House went 15 ballots And uh, it ended up with McCarthy and putting a lot of extreme right wingers in uh, critical uh, key positions and also gave any one member the right to call for a vote for a new speaker. Did did they plan
1: this? (laughs) (laughs) The motion to vacate. I mean, I'm curious, Mark's take, but my sense is that this kind of stupid cannot be planned.
3: No. I mean, although he was also, I mean, McCarthy was also desperate. I mean, he, he would right. not have in a in a perfect world where he had like a cushion of like 20, 25 votes, as many majorities have been in the past um, or more. Uh, he wouldn't have done that. But, you know, it, you had a situation where Every holdout, uh, everyone who was not ready to vote for him, like Matt Gates in this case, was saying, look, we want the motion to vacate. And then he had to agree to it. Otherwise, he wasn't going to get through the first ballot and he wouldn't have been speaker to begin with. But
1: don't you think that there's an added layer of moronics here? Like, <laughs> I mean, McCarthy, he's so desperate to be speaker he can't even sort of game it out i mean don't you think his overzealousness also led to his destruction
3: yeah i I think so i think because um yeah everyone knew that he was absolutely desperate for this i've never seen anyone so desperate in my life (laughs) no no it's true i mean he, he just wanted the gig for a few months so he could like take a picture with the uh, speaker's <laughs> office and get the gavel. Didn't the gavel always kind of look like a toy in his hand? You know, he's kind of holding it up over his head. Yeah, no, he just wanted souvenirs. And and I remember he told me once that, um, you know, I know the day I stop being speaker, no one's going to want to get their picture taken with me and no one's going to laugh at my jokes. And I think that's probably true. When when yeah. did, when did he say that to you, though? He said that, oh, he said that in 2021. He wasn't speaker yet. He oh, was, okay. Uh, yeah, this was a few months after oh. the insurrection. Okay, because yeah.
0: if uh, if he had said that after he had been elected speaker, that would have been
3: pretty fun. But he knew. <laughs> but yeah. right, he's not a bright guy. he's right, not. A he's, bright not guy. he's a no. desperate guy. Mm-hmm.
1: I do think, like that, that there is something incredible about the fact that literally everyone thought he was stupid. Like that that is a sort of brilliant bit of of political satire or in this case political life
0: they didn't get rid of him when he voted to raise the debt ceiling right and that made sense right because uh, raising the debt ceiling is like saving the world economy right yeah <laughs> and, yeah. and if they i mean i think that was his that,
1: freebie i think he was allowed to do sort of one of yeah. those things yeah
0: And so the next one was the one they got him on. What was it? That was just a CR. The
3: budget, or it was just the budget. It was a congressional, it was the um, continuing resolution.
1: resolution. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you needed Democratic votes to get a continuing resolution, which was just to keep the government open. Right? Yeah.
3: So not quite as serious as that ceiling. We've, We've shut down the government before. It's perfect that the two things he actually did that were responsible in his brief leadership right. are waiting for that he could not continue. Yeah. There aren't a lot of
0: accomplishments by uh, this Congress uh, and this House, are there? there? I don't know what they have uh, passed uh, that has become law. So
1: many unnamed post offices. I don't even know if they've done that. I mean No, I know. That's why they, they have no, no names. Name. That's yes. true.
3: I just put you know I'm sitting I'm in New Hampshire today and I just drove past <laughs> the post office and you know it was just a non it had no name. I didn't even realize that it, it had waiting there. for a name. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> like Daniel Webster's grand great great grandson had it coming, but like they haven't actually done it yet. No, it's been it's been a joke. There's been like I I can't imagine. a. I mean, I think hasn't it been a historically unproductive?
1: I knew it was bad. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I knew it was bad when uh, Punchbowl News had an episode of their podcast, which I'd listened to, uh, where they were talking about how it was the do nothing Congress.
0: Oh, well, you have to
3: name these things. So that's as good as anything. Although hasn't there been a do nothing Congress in the past? I don't think it's original.
1: No, well, I'm when you sure have a
3: divided government,
0: uh, yeah. this this can happen. But w- there have been other other times where presidents have gotten things done with a divided <laughs> Congress. I I
3: think. Sure. Yeah, I mean, although there's also things, there's also little things that we used to take for granted, like you know, certifying elections, right. or, <laughs> like, you know, passing debt ceilings, uh, can you know, just budgets and things like that that used to be fairly. You know routine and and of course nothing is routine with these guys
1: but is this idea that there's a certain amount of the certain section of the republican party that literally just wants to burn down the federal government and for yeah. them any yeah, kind like of 80
0: percent of it yeah, yeah. yes like maybe
1: 90 now
0: yeah it's amazing how they well they all fell in place behind mike johnson after going through what was that about three weeks
1: yeah. Three. It was three weeks, three speakerless weeks. And and I mean, the, with the Mike Johnson thing, which I what I thought was really interesting was at some point they just panicked and they were like, we're not going to take the, you know, Tom Emmer's now. We're not going right. to take Scalise, who would be, you know, it's, it's sort of the number two now, the number three now Uh We'll go to the number four. Nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. But he isn't
0: number four. Oh, in the, the, the num- he's
1: number four. Yeah. In the four, leadership.
3: Fourth or yeah, fourth choice, I
1: guess. Yeah. Oh, OK. He,
0: was he, Scalise fourth. was number two. in, in yeah, in the and leadership Amherst was three. There wasn't someone in between Scalise and, and, and Emmer Jordan.
1: Oh, Jordan. Yeah. They also sure. rejected Jordan. That's right. And so Jordan, I guess he was they five. rejected
0: him three times. Right. I mean, they went.
1: Well. He's very rejectable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he was even considered was as frightening as Johnson. Let's yeah, Johnson's yeah. pretty frightening.
3: I'm yeah. reading Liz Cheney's book now. You know what's amazing about Liz Cheney's book? Like, she keeps mentioning Johnson. Yes. You know, in, like, around the insurrection, around, like, you know, but the most enthusiastic um, sort of driven election deniers, and the real organizer behind it. So she mentioned him repeatedly, and yet when she turned in the book, he hadn't. I mean, he, he was still an unknown. He wasn't speaking. Yeah, she just didn't. She included him because he was so pivotal to those efforts.
1: Which is why Trump acts actually in the end picked him, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, whatever.
0: Because
1: he, so. he, tr- he wouldn't have been on <laughs> Trump's radar unless he had written, unless he had, he wrote that amicus brief. He wrote right. the
0: amicus brief to the Supreme Court on the thing that was brought by the Texas the Attorney Texas General. Trump, right? yeah. 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 Okay, let's move on from him. So Comer is the head of the House Oversight Committee, and he's been investigating Biden. They're, they have an impeachment inquiry yep. on Biden. Yep. But they haven't said exactly what it's for. But this guy said that Biden had received payments from Chinese State Link companies, or his right. uh, from his, his from Owasco, which is Biden's, uh, Hunter Biden's law firm, and he had received payments from State Link companies and other foreign companies. And the emails claim that the uh, payments are part of a pattern revealing Joe Biden knew about, participated, and benefited from his family's. Influence peddling. Who knows what those three payments were?
1: Probably a car or something. I mean, look, this is the vibes-based impeachment, right? <laughs> it, they don't know what it is, but they know. They know.
3: They have zero proof of this. I mean, what's interesting? What's kind of interesting? These were like, let me let me just uh, right. uh, Molly got
0: was right. It was three uh, payments of thirteen hundred and eighty dollars that occurred in September, October, and November of 2018. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was not
3: president yet.
0: He was not president yet, and he was not vice president. Right. Uh, But they were for a 2018 Ford Raptor truck Mm -hmm. that Joe Biden had purchased that Hunter Biden was using, according to an email verified (laughs) by a Washington Post forensic analysis. Mm -hmm. Vibes. It's a vibes-based impeachment. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Santos is gone. Let's not talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, have they? And we've we've determined they haven't passed any meaningful legislation. Nothing, right? Nothing. they got rid of him.
3: (laughs) I mean, is that meaningful? I mean, you know, there you go.
1: Sheila Jackson Lee is coming back to Congress, so now the majority is even slimmer for Mike Johnson.
3: What is it? Two? I mean, they have to replace two. McCarthy. So so they lost um, Santos McCarthy. So yeah, I guess they're down to two. I mean, I assume. Well, Santos is. Um, I guess that district. What, what's the deal with the special? In there,
1: right? we got Swazi running. Yeah, it's a D plus three. Swazi ha- was in Congress before. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he could. He could. He could definitely win that district. In which case, the
3: margin would be one. One. Yeah. And also, isn't so McHenry's gone, too, right? Did yeah. He,
1: McHenry, he's taking his box he's taking and he's it. leaving.
3: Right. But is he did he quit immediately or is he not running for re-election? I, I, I
1: think he's not running for re-election. McCarthy not. was the one who was like, I'm really going to stick it to all of you and just leave at the end of the year.
3: So, yeah, he's so he's gone, too. I mean, I assume McCarthy's district is actually, I, I don't know, Bakersfield, California. I mean, I I, I don't know that. district. It's pretty red. I mean, I think McHenry's seat is pretty red um, in North Carolina. I mean, I think he's been he's been elected pretty easily. Let's move
0: to they're holding up in in the Senate, right? The funding for Ukraine and, and the House, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and that's about over immigration. Right. Great.
1: They don't like it.
0: Well, we need immigrants, don't we? I mean, we're getting I know I'm I'm retirement age. I'm 72. So. <laughs> and after this podcast. The, that's it. That's
3: it. That's my
0: last one, guys.
1: Who replace you, though, Al?
3: Oh, okay. He's irreplaceable. Who else is going to host the Al Franken podcast? That's right. Good thinking, guys. Thank you.
1: We do need, I mean, I was talking to an economist about this today, and, and I was saying we need people because the labor market's so tight. Well, the labor but
0: market's so tight because the, the economy is doing so well. Which brings me to to Bidenomics, (laughs) which uh, that's a winner. I mean,
4: why does not
0: why don't why don't Democrats ever get credit for like what they did economically?
4: You know,
3: it's interesting. I've sort of I was thinking about this today. You know, Trump. The one thing he does well is cheerlead. Often, Mm. um, often with you know he he exaggerates the truth. You know, he uses all kinds of disingenuous. Ways of doing it, but he does. You know, Everyone was like, "Oh, how dare you! Um, you know, violate the norms, and you know you're not supposed to talk about the economy because it kind of jinxes it. You don't talk about the stock market, and I understand why. It was always seen as tacky, but you know, tackiness was never an issue for him. But I think mm. you know one of the benefits he got was that people actually did. Have a sense whether it was true or not um, that, you know, hey, this is a good economy because he keeps telling us it is. I mean, Biden is an old school <laughs> guy and he's also an old guy who wouldn't do that. I mean, cheerleading has never been part of the Democratic, certainly presidential messaging machine. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that might be something to reconsider if, if I'm a Democrat.
0: Is there an inherent bias in the press in terms of, boy, oh boy, if we report this is good, they're going to accuse us
3: of having a liberal bias? I don't know if it's because people are afraid of being accused of liberal bias, but I I do think the reflexive need to sort of both sides these things, because, you know, Republicans are going to like be totally condemning no matter what the numbers are for whatever reason. Well, here's
0: some numbers. I'll give you some numbers. Okay. Okay. Uh, We had 5% economic growth on an annual basis in the third quarter. That's astounding. And- unemployment is at three point nine percent and inflation is on an annual basis is down to three point two percent
1: so i have a theory that part of the anxiety is that you don't i mean i don't care about this because i'm on the opinion side but i do think that there is a certain anxiety about looking partisan right but only it seems
0: when there's a democrat in the the oval office do they feel shy about talking about remarkable. I,
1: I also think traditional media framing helps outliers, right? So someone like Trump, when he is taken in traditional media framing, which is the template for a lot of stuff, that actually really helps him, right? Because he can do crazy stuff and it doesn't necessarily fit into the narrative. And so you're able to normalize him really well that way.
0: Okay. Well, that might explain a lot of things then.
3: <laughs> it might. I, I also <laughs> think that like someone like Biden and even like other democratic presidents like Bill Clinton, I mean, they were so eager to lead with empathy, right? Uh, right. That, that when you, when you spend so much time sort of leading talking with hate. About feeling your pain or, or just sort of feeling someone's, you know, grief, or, or just sort of when you sort of lean into the, the pain and struggles that so many people in America are having, People, I think, in a weird way, kind of unconsciously don't blame you for it, but they associate you with struggle. And, you know, Trump never bothered with that. He didn't want to deal with pain. He didn't want to deal with anyone else's, you know, ugliness. I don't know. That That's just a theory that um, came to my head. So because it's a podcast, I just said it. <laughs> and we'll air it.
0: And you know what? We'll you know, there's a kernel of something in there, somewhere in there. So uh, you you mentioned his age, and that is an issue.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: You, don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it yeah, is. It is, and there's no, yes, yeah, there's no way around it because there's no challenge, right? There's no Dean Phillips is not. I
1: really, I have to say, in my it's my opinion that Dean Phillips sucks.
0: Well, uh I know Dean and Dean's
1: Oh, that's right. You're both from Minnesota. Do yeah. you
0: think he sucks, Al? No. Okay. No, he's a
1: He sucks.
0: He hasn't <laughs> he's a
3: smart guy. He hasn't um he hasn't really taken off. He hasn't taken off. No. That's not I mean I look, I applaud a primary challenge to Biden. I mean I, I think that's a great idea. I think I was someone who had more stature, more, you know, who had a better shot at winning had gotten in and gotten in earlier. But much,
0: much earlier if they were going to do it. And no, yeah. one, no yeah. one did it. Yeah. Uh, does Hunter Biden, does does that help
3: neutralize all of Trump's problems? Well, it certainly shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I think if the the goal of Trump and his allies to sort of just like, OK, look, you know, they're crooked, too. You know, I guess it can be effective because it's obviously a topic of of a lot of conversation, certainly on Fox, and a lot of investigation in the Congress. So
0: it seems that that Trump's problems have neutralized his problems.
3: (laughs) That's his thing, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's that's the thing. Think about it. I remember in late March. Okay, so he gets indicted in Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. On the cover up for Stormy Daniels, and immediately his numbers go up in the Republican side. Right. Right. And every indictment, everything only helps him go up on the Republican side.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But he stays constant pretty much nationally. And if it's amazing if you look at the polling how constant this has been. I mean, there are fluctuations, but they're small. This is going to be an incredibly tight race,
3: right? No doubt.
0: Okay, let, let's go over, since we're doing sort of a year in review, these, these indictments in which you might think will be the most serious when it goes to trial. It looks like the Supreme Court might take this appeal or, the, I mean, right. the case. expedited. Expedited. Yeah. Oh, I hope they do. This is uh, because we're thinking that the first case will be
3: the January 6th case. Right, And that's set for what, March? Like- In March. The January 6th case is, I think, the most damning and most important and, and also the most, you know, the one that we all lived. I mean, we all saw it. I mean, the facts of the case are, are many of them are out there just because of the January 6th committee. And, yeah, speed would be really nice here. I, I am encouraged that, like, the Supreme Court looks like they're going to consider this fast because it would be really nice to have a federal trial, like it, even, I mean, whatever the verdict is, it would be good to see this litigated. It'd be great to see Trump, you know, under oath. Um, I mean, that, that is a story that I think would possibly move the needle in a, in a campaign season. Do you think he would testify? I mean, he probably would say he wanted to and, and, probably, and then not do it. That seems to be his M.O., <laughs> Yes, it would be nice, and
0: this will not be televised, and it will not be on radio either. Yeah, is that
3: is that decided? I don't. I mean, I think. Yeah, I guess not. I haven't like Smith, and uh, I know Trump had, like said he wants it to be televised. Um, yeah, that doesn't if, get. I don't I don't know. Know. Yeah, yeah. he said unlikely. That, huh? though. It seems unlikely.
0: Um, okay, and Mar a Lago, the the documents one is pretty
3: slam dunk. But that won't happen before the Yeah, because the Trump, the judge seems to, I mean, it's a Trumpy judge. Yeah, of all of them, I I think the document case feels, um, I mean, I think you're right. It's a slam dunk. I mean, they seem to have them dead to rights there. It it feels kind of remote, I think, to a lot of people. I mean, whereas, again, January 6th and also the Georgia 1.
0: The Georgia 1 is the same, and that can be televised. Correct. that doesn't start until, I think, late August. Right. And particularly that it will take until November.
3: And it's pardon proof. That is the great thing. Yes, it is a good thing. Yeah.
1: Do you guys both, in your infinite political wisdom, think that it's definitely going to be Trump v. Biden?
3: Yes. Yeah, sure, probably, but I mean, not necessarily. I mean, actually, I mean, one of the reasons I'm sitting here in New Hampshire is, um, I mean, I, I want to see Nikki Haley. I don't think is completely out of the question. I think she's probably out of the question.
0: Well, that's something we didn't cover, which is that race, um,
3: yeah,
1: otherwise known as the Republican primary.
3: Well, you know, Al, I am literally sitting in a sh- in a hotel room in New Hampshire, so I'm uniquely positioned to talk about this. Perfect, our man <laughs> in New Hampshire, <laughs> Wally Blue. Me and Jeff Demond are going to the Wayfarer for cocktails after. Intrepid reporter Mark Yes, yes that is me. <laughs> In a courtyard like Marriott in
1: Manchester. Better you than me, baby. I mean... I
3: mean, Nikki Haley
0: has shown her in the debates, has uh, shown herself uh, to be very good, very smart, very... Yes. Now, here's my question, because I don't think she can get the nomination, but here's my question. At the end of this, if it was extended to her, take the beep nod.
3: I would say... uh... Probably. I mean, probably I'm sure. Here's why. Here's why. At every turn, she has done the opportunistic thing. Yeah. Now, I don't know well, that's, why that's anyone, good point. anyone, anyone would want to be Donald Trump's vice president. I mean, the most submissive doormat. That's why I think president. no. Well, you would think, but, you know, but then but the we,
0: opportunistic thing that she's done every time, every time.
3: Everybody. Every time has probably helped her probably. Yes. Has. Yeah, a, opportunism is not a bad quality in a politician, right?
0: Isn't it inevitable that that's a, a horrible oh, nice yeah. job yeah. that ends horrible. up very badly for
1: you? Have you met Mike Pence? They want, They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. That's not a good ending. You know I mean? yeah. When they're chanting about how they want to
0: hang you. How does a sound hang Nikki Haley
3: sound?
1: Well, they were saying hang out with Mike Pence. That's Here's
3: why saying. Vivek Ramaswamy might be a little better. It's harder to say hang Vivek Ramaswamy.
1: <laughs> but... I I do think she takes (laughs) it if she's offered it, but I I don't think he offers it because I think he'll I think he feels that she's too popular. I mean, part of the reason why he picked Mike Pence was a he smartly liaised with evangelicals, which ended up Mike Pence was too good at convincing evangelicals. He made himself completely unnecessary, but redundant. But I just wonder if. I think Trump wants a wants a sort of Eric Trump like character as Veep. Could he pick his own
3: son? Probably not, because they're both residents of Florida. Right. So <laughs> you got to be. Oh, sure. right. But, um, but I, I think he, he probably will take a complete sycophant. Um, yeah. I mean some I mean I don't think Carrie Lake, but you know, someone maybe like um I don't know, Rick Scott or someone I guess he's in Florida too, so no Rick Scott. But um Well let's not let's not do this. Let's game. not play that. Game. No, no, let's not yeah. do that. Yeah, I don't know.
0: We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with Molly Jungfast and Mark Levivich.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that.
0: We're back with Mark Liepavich and Molly Jung. Fast. Here's my one of my worries because we're we're both all well, three of us saying this is a very um, going to be a very tight election. Uh, Trump won in '16 because of uh, there were a couple third party runs. Mm-hmm. So now we have Jill Stein is running again. Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to be. I don't know if he gets on the ballot, where he gets on the ballot.
3: Cornell West is running on what ticket? Well, he was a Green Party, but not anymore. Um, right. I don't think he, I don't, does he not have a party? Well, maybe he doesn't
0: I'm, get I'm on sure the I'm sure he has
1: something. I guess,
3: yeah.
0: And then there's always the no labels.
1: Right. Threat. Threat. <laughs> yes.
0: Threat. Which, uh, is Joe Lieberman just hate the Democratic
1: Party. Yes,
3: I mean, I I think Cornell West is pretty dangerous for for Biden. Um, you know, in part because you know he's got real problems with the the college left, the campus left, um, especially around the Middle East. You know, younger voters, Black and Brown voters, and um, you know, they weren't all that enthusiastic last time, but they didn't have a Cornell West to vote for last time, and and now like there's actually a home for them. He's not going to win, but um, he probably won't win a single electoral vote, but you know, in in certain states, it could could definitely move the needle. So these college students don't study 2016. (laughs) No, they
0: don't.
1: They weren't alive then. They weren't alive then. (laughs) (laughs) Math is hard. All right. I'm going to say something that's going to probably embarrass me later. But if I'm right, oh, I'll look so good. Mm -hmm. Um, I call me a cockeyed optimist, but I do believe I do believe we have seen Democrats again and again perform better than polls in some ways is significantly better. And I just, you know, that off off your election in my heart of hearts, I was sure the Democrats were going to lose the Virginia state legislature and Mm -hmm. that Glenn Youngkin was making a convincing case of this sort of faux moderate Trumpist. And in fact, voters didn't like it. And I just think that between Roe. And Trump in his revenge tour, where he says, "Let me be your retribution," because you know we know that everyone took confidential documents to their private club in Palm Beach. I just don't know who relates to this.
3: <laughs> uh, probably about forty-five percent of the country. <laughs> at least, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. I also think that that it will become even more apparent as. I can't believe Biden's actually running or I can't believe Trump's actually running. I mean, I think that's true. But I would say this for as much as Democrats have pleasantly, surprisingly overperformed like last year and in the off years, Mm -hmm. um, Republicans have overperformed on uh, during elections that Trump has been on the ballot. You know, People forget that in 2020, Republicans actually did overperform. I mean, the president wasn't supposed to be as close. Democrats are supposed to win the senate and they were supposed to you know win a bunch of house seats um neither of those things happened. i asked someone about you know the low turnout in virginia for
0: example and they said well trump wasn't on the ballot right so i want to i, I want to talk about well, israel uh you kind of spoke to that which is college students and others i mean there are mm-hmm. there are uh, very sensible people who are taking issue with Biden on this and his support for Netanyahu, which is unquestionably he needed to do and should have done in the wake of October 7th. But now that they're looking at what's happening in Gaza, that there are are
3: people that will hold this against him. That will happen, right? Seems to be. Yeah, it seems to be happening already. Although his polling isn't terrible on the Middle East. I mean, as much as you can believe that. I mean, it's also ticking up a little bit.
1: I mean, I just wonder like that situation is got so hot and it was so uh, emotional for so many people that it was sort of hard to have like really sort of thoughtful conversations. I wonder how much now Netanyahu is highly at best, highly problematic. Right. Even his own people want him out. Oh, They want him out. Yeah. And Hamas is nobody's idea of a, a good faith actor. So I do wonder. Ultimately, I think you know it, it became a big sort of fight on the left and on the right. You know, there was a lot of division there, but you really don't have anyone you can sort of look to. I mean, I think ultimately, what's the most important is that their innocent people are dying, and that has to stop. Well, that's 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 why. That's uh,
0: mm-hmm. and that's. Um, it's hard to question that sentiment at, at all because you... Look I would not this. question it. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Hey, I want to read uh, from Mark's essay, which I think this ended the whole issue. It was I the don't...
3: walk-off essay. Yes. It was the walk-off. Oh, that's what they call it, That. No, that's what I call it. Oh, okay. No, Actually, yeah, I think... No, they called it the last word or something like that. So I think
0: I'm reading the last word of the last word. Okay. This is uh, uh, Mark Leibovich in uh, uh, the Atlantic Monthly's December-January issue, which is every, everybody on, or almost everybody on, uh, on the staff wrote a piece about what would happen if Trump won. And, and I would recommend this because it's, it's absolutely chilling. This is the last word of the last word. You can dismiss Trump voters all you want, but give them this they're every bit as American as any idealized vision of the place. If Trump wins in 2024, his detractors will have to reckon once again with the voters who got us here to reconcile what it means to share a country with so many citizens who keep watching Trump spiral deeper into his moral void. And still conclude, yes, that's our guy. (sighs) Yep, I wrote that. You wrote that. That's good writing. That's what we call good writing. Not very funny, though. Not funny.
3: NF, as Warren Michaels would say. (laughs) NF. I mean, I think what what I try to do here is I mean, so we had this entire issue. Where a lot of my colleagues, you know, took a piece of what a Trump, 2.0 might look like, whether from a corruption standpoint or a Justice Department standpoint, or you know, military, education, so so forth, and I wanted to step back and sort of say, look, I mean, we've been hearing for years, you know, the Clintons, the Obamas have been saying whenever, whenever something bad happens, like a this know, is, Charlottesville or something, this is not that's narrative. not who we are, yeah, right? Um, and you know that's sort of been a something between a scold and an affirmation from from people on, on both sides to some degree. You know, I, I think after you know, if Trump were to win, um, you know, as he's won before, and is he almost won in 2020? I mean, this is clearly who a lot of us are, right? You know, he didn't exactly go out in a blaze of glory a few years ago. I mean, there, there were 25,000 National Guard troops guarding. The U.S. capital from the president's own supporters, which is not a great look for democracy. And um, you know, he left behind an incredibly embattled country, and um, it's still here. It's still embattled. It's still extremely divided. And you know, he's been indicted a bunch of times since then. Um, he's had a bunch of loser endorsements. Uh, he hasn't moderated any of his positions, and and yet here we are. Yep. Also not funny.
0: No, but also um, uh, very sobering and very scary, because Mm -hmm. if you read this issue, you I mean, the uh, the corruption one is uh, written by Frank for. There's so many uh, of them that just are chilling and Applebaum writes one where he'll withdraw from NATO and uh, what that means it's a scary prospect and we're going to be facing it all the way until election day and maybe after.
3: Yeah. And I'm always interested in, in the people who are allowing it to happen. I'm not talking about the voters. I'm talking about the ostensible, extensively the leaders of the Republican party.
0: Well, you've written a, a number one New York times
3: bestseller. Yeah. On this Thank no, you for I, your servitude. Yes. Number one, number one. No. wow! That, I mean that's really depressing. I mean I'm I'm reading Liz Cheney's book now, which I would also recommend to to people. I mean it's a really um you know, it's sobering. I mean it's not uplifting, but I yeah, I'm learning a lot and um yeah, I mean that's it's it's amazing how rare such, you know, plain spoken courage has been in the Republican party. Well, rare especially now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
0: um I'd like to say how rare it is to be able. To speak it's very to, rare. <laughs> uh, Two friends about a subject that we'll we'll see how it it all ends. Uh,
3: there you go. That's the last word. So Al, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, well, we just got to just keep going, right? Yeah. Well, you're
0: a journalist, so you yep. keep journaling. You keep doing that. And Molly and I are uh, advocates. We keep advocating. And
3: podcasting.
0: And podcasting. Have
3: excellent podcast.
0: Yeah. And uh, I also have a PAC, Midwest values yeah. Pack that uh, gives money to Democrats and, mm-hmm. and ground operation around the country. So that's what we do. But I encourage okay. everyone who's been listening to this and got to the end of it.
3: <laughs> yes. to
0: uh, be active this cycle because
3: our democracy probably depends on it. Yeah, I mean, this isn't, I mean, I wasn't going to end on a note like this, but what the heck? I mean, you know, despair is not an option. I mean, it's certainly tempting and it's certainly understandable, but it's no. not a time to give up and not a time to tune out. There you go, everybody. You heard that was a real rouser. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Molly, I think you can't be better yeah. than that
1: yeah i i think actually think that again, if I'm right, this is going to look really good, and if I'm wrong uh, I, I think that people, normal people, not us, but people who like live in the real world, uh, don't quite see who that Trump is going to be the nominee, and I think once he becomes the nominee, there's going to be a kind of like Biden was not, and again, I want to sort of temper this, but like Biden was was not picked because he was a once in a lifetime gifted orator. Right. He was picked because he was uh, the sort of best shot at getting a white guy in there who was, you know, not an autocrat. And I think that um, people when people see that Trump is the nominee, there's going to be hopefully people will sort of come back to life there.
0: Again, a rouser.
3: <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> Sorry, you, he, you know he wasn't. NF.
3: He actually was a great orator, but that was about forty years ago. I actually don't. I think he was. You, you He a guy always who talks said a lot. stuff. Talked,
1: yeah. He yeah. always said stuff he didn't mean to say.
3: True he still kind of has that problem but But i feel like
1: now he's a little more measure like he's a little more he's clearly like very careful now
3: he learned
0: a lesson from the last campaign where he couldn't Mm -hmm. he couldn't go out because of covid Mm -hmm. and so he was able to you know be in his home and actually talk to the american people via a prompter and so he wasn't improvising because he loves crowds and when he's crowds that's when he improvises or when there's anybody there he improvises. Mm-hmm. right and he just uh red was on the prompter and it was working and i think that he learned a lesson from that
1: i actually think his speeches are pretty good and i think that the fact that everyone always says that he's terrible at speaking makes whenever you listen to him you think oh this is pretty good <laughs> yeah, the is
3: he's not a great reader of a teleprompter here's the thing though like he does give I mean I think he actually has some good speech writers but it, it's a little bit hard to like always kind of hold your breath through It's, it's just, you know he, he does kind of You do sort of wonder if he's going to make his way through his sentences, you know, unscathed.
1: But that is all because of the incredible media narrative that says that he I mean, like it's worked so well, this media narrative that Mm -hmm. he is old. And I mean, I remember watching those debates and thinking like, oh, my God, this guy doesn't match.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's actually better in debate than he is in a in a set speech. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, he's not his i think his oratory his oratory has gotten a little less good as he's gotten older and he has gotten older i mean you know there are not a lot of great speakers out there at 81.
1: bernie's yeah. pretty good he's 81. yeah, yeah 81. He's 81. he just turned eighty. bernie is pretty good yeah bernie's pretty good now, as a jew that? myself i never thought we'd ever i i still feel like the the possibility of being a jewish president is a zero
3: what are we talking about bernie yeah yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen because he's Jewish, but because he's eighty. No, but 80, because he's Bernie.
1: But yeah. I also think that we're never
3: going to have a Jewish president. Just we're, like we're never going to have one. Yeah, we might. You know, we have a Jewish first gentleman, second. We're, gentleman.
1: The vice president's husband is Jewish. This is <laughs> yeah, so there you lame.
0: Go. It'll have to be the highest ranking Jew in the military. <laughs> that that's well. When I always said this, so Colin Powell. Everyone wanted Colin Powell to run. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I just drew from that, oh, I see. This is before Barack Obama got elected, of course. I just Mm -hmm. said to myself, okay, that means the first Jew elected president will have to be the highest ranking, you know, be a high ranking. And it turned out, unfortunately, that the highest ranking Jew at the time in the military was the comptroller of the Coast Guard.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? No,
1: controller uh, is a very hard job. It's a lot of math. Yeah. I was a okay.
3: post guard. You know, you got to deal yeah. with all those like waves. That was a the joke boats? I wrote. That's a funny joke, Al.
0: Well, okay, that was a joke I wrote. Funny <laughs> joke. When people wanted Colin Powell to run and he wouldn't run, so we might as well uh, end on that. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
2: The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus.